We pray, come Holy Spirit. Come Lord, we give you permission to do what you desire in our hearts. Make our minds, our hearts, our souls fertile soil that your word may bear great fruit in our life. Illuminate these scriptures for us, Lord. Convict and console our hearts. Speak, for your servants are listening. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. This is one of my favorite passages in, in all of Scripture, and have read it, prayed with it, spoke about it on many, many occasions. And um, tonight, gonna gonna do something a little bit different from from other homilies, but I'll, I, I want to just mention a couple of things for you to to read and to pray with. One is easy to have access to; the other is pretty darn easy. Um, but it's a book you have to get, right? So. The Catechism. Catechism, I've talked about the Catechism a lot. It's so beautiful. And the beginning of the fourth section, the fourth section is a section on prayer. And the beginning is just an intro that's about ah, eight or ten paragraphs, maybe less. Then there's a couple that come specifically from this gospel, speaking about prayer as this encounter, right, of God's thirst with our thirst and using the woman at the well. It is gold. It is some of the best reading that you will ever read on prayer for your meditation. So good. So, so please do that. Second thing, Father Joseph Langford, who was a close friend of Mother Teresa, and actually uh, he was a priest in her community. So they're mainly sisters, the missionaries of charity, but they also have some priests and some brothers. So Father Joseph Langford wrote a book, a few books about Mother Teresa, specifically her spirituality. And one of them is called Mother Teresa's Secret Fire. You know, he asked her the question, like, Mother, like, what, what is the thing that has made you who you are? And she begins to share that secret with him, and he kind of talks about that in the book. But at the end of the book, there's an appendix of which he breaks down this passage, the woman at the well, line by line, and is just giving these reflections and meditations. Again, gold, spiritual gold. And he, he actually takes his reflections, it's retreats that he gives to the sisters, or that he used to give to the sisters, especially early on um, in, their, in their profession. So two things I can't encourage you strongly enough to read and to pray with. But for the homily tonight, I want to take a passage from uh, Pope Benedict and use this passage to kind of be the lens of which we're looking at this gospel. I don't know if you've read anything from Pope Benedict, any of his homilies or any of his books, but the man uh, is one of the most gifted theologians in the history of the church. He will be a doctor of the church, meaning like they're going to lift him up in his teaching specifically as regards like it is good for all people and all places and all times. It's just amazing. So just encourage you to read some of his stuff. But here we go. Diving in. The context of this is he's talking about, which maybe on the surface for us would seem like, oh, that's a little like pop psychology. It's like coming from this man, there's no pop psychology, right? It's just a simple truth that, that cuts to the core of, of who we are. 
So he says, our eye becomes acceptable to us only if it has first become acceptable to another. We can love ourselves only if we have first been loved by someone else. We've probably heard this before. But our capacity to genuinely love someone else is only awakened and only possible if we have first experienced love. Otherwise, it's foreign to us. And we don't know it to be able to, to give that. And so he says, it is only when life has been accepted and is perceived as accepted that it also becomes acceptable, meaning that it's accepted by someone else. Now, in my life, someone receives me and accepts me for who I am, which doesn't mean that, you know, we don't need conversion or growth or any of those things. But it's only when life is accepted and this is key, perceived as accepted, because someone may actually accept me and someone may actually love me, but I'm not aware or perceiving that they actually do. But only when someone accepts me and I perceive that they accept me, is life actually, he says, acceptable. Like when I am at the core of who we are, we want to be seen, we want to be known, and we want to be loved. And really, almost all the things that we do as human beings, the core motivation is that we might be seen by someone, that we might be known by them, and that we might be loved by them. And then what we desire actually is, is to do that. Then I want to see you and I want to know you and I want to love you. That's, that's the heart, the human heart. John Paul II will put it this way, another one of the amazing uh, teachers uh, of our faith, St. John Paul II. He says, man, right, men and women, we only discover ourselves, we only discover who we are when we make a sincere gift of ourselves. Like, I only know what it really means to be a human being when I am giving myself away because I am made in the image and likeness of God and made for him with this capacity. And I actually can only do that, again, Pope Benedict is telling us, if we are first received by someone else, if someone gives themselves to us. And so he continues, and here's, uh, again, another kind of kicker line. Man is that strange creature that needs not just physical birth, but also appreciation if he is to subsist. What? Right, if we are to be human, we need more than just the biological things that keep us alive. But we need to be seen, and we need to be known, and we need to be loved. Otherwise, we can't experience actual humanity and being human, because it's what we're ordered for. He says, if an individual is to accept himself, someone must say to him, it is good that you exist. For someone to accept, for us to accept ourselves, appropriate self-acceptance, we're not talking about, you know, egoism or narcissism or any of those things, not that. But like to hear and to know from someone, it is good that you exist. 
It's a cry of the human heart. And without it, we can't experience real humanity in the acceptance of our own selves. And then are lacking in the capacity to be able to give that to others. He says he must say it not with words, but with an act of the entire being that we call love. Like someone just can walk up to you and say, hey, it's good you exist. They must communicate it with their very being. It is good that you are here. Again, this allows us, it touches the core of our being to be like, oh, because we can't give it to ourselves. And brothers and sisters, we go about life, right? We go about life trying in some way to get that, most of the time unconsciously, sometimes consciously. And what do we do a lot of times? We posture and we maneuver and we perform and we're like, hey, do you see me? Hey, do you know me? Hey, do you love me? I'm posturing, I'm maneuvering, I'm performing. Can you see? And all of this, if it remains on the surface, never satiates the depth of the human heart. It never gets there. And it's exhausting. And it's tiring. And it produces loneliness, right? How come no one sees me? How come no one knows me? How come no one loves me? So with this lens, we're looking at the woman at the well. Here's this woman that comes and it says to us, again, it's interesting. We paid attention to these little details in the scripture. They mean something. It says, oh, she went, it was about noon. Like, why do we need to know what time it was? Like, what does that matter? What well, matters because the women at that time, they would go to the well in the morning and they would go together. Why? Because it was cooler in the morning. So if you're going to be lugging a bunch of water, it's better to go in the morning before it gets really hot. And actually, when you go together, there's protection and community. So I'm going when it's cool. I'm going when everyone else is there so I can hang out with the other women, and we're going to be safe. So the fact that this woman is going alone and at noon, it shows us she's an outcast and she's not accepted by the other people in the community. So here she is, of course, someone who's not accepted, right? What do you think? When, when you experience that, when I experience that, when we feel that way. So Jesus is there, and he's like, hey, give me something to drink. And we see here she's super defensive, right? Uh, don't know if you noticed. You're a Jewish man. I'm a Samaritan woman. No conversation, okay? We don't talk to each other. No talkie, all right? You, Jewish man, I'm a Samaritan woman. That's it. And so he's like, well, but if you knew the gift of God, like I'm not going to take your defensiveness. If you knew the gift of God, and who was asking you for a drink? Actually, you would ask him, and he would give you living water. Woman still defensive, right? Uh, hey, um, smart guy. Yeah, this is a deep well. Look who has a bucket, not you, all right? How are you going to give me the water? What's going on here? Oh, everyone who comes to this well, they will be thirsty again. But the water that I will give 
will be a river of living water that will well up in the soul and that whoever drinks of it will never thirst again, but it will well up to eternal life. At this point, we don't know what it was, but her heart begins to soften. Maybe it was the tone of his voice, his attentiveness to her, the look in his eyes, her own. It just awakens in her. She's like, okay, okay, I'm gonna let down my guard a little bit. Hey, that water that you got, I want that. I'm tired of coming here in the middle of the day. I'm tired of being here by myself. I'm tired of hungering and thirsting. And so what, what you have to give, I want it. So then now that she's opened a little, Jesus wants her to open fully. So he says, hey, go get your husband. And she's like, oh, okay, okay. We're gonna play that game. I don't have a husband. And he's like, well, you've had five and the man you're with is not your husband. Clearly he says this in such a way that is not demeaning towards her, but is letting her know, like, I know you. And I know all of your stuff. But she still gets a little defensive. She kind of starts talking this theological stuff. Well, you know, you Jews, you worship there, we worship here. He's like, no, no, like, I know you. And you are good. And I love you. Ask me. And so in this conversation, something within her clicks, right? To where she's so transformed that she goes back to the town where no one wants to talk to her. She goes back to the place that no one wants to talk to her. And she's like, hey, I just met this dude. And he told me everything about me. But actually, he didn't say everything about her. He just said a few things. But the few things and the way that he spoke to her made her feel completely known and completely seen and completely loved that it transformed her. She was so changed, again, that she goes back to the people who would turn up their nose at her to tell them, you have to come meet him. You have to come. Brothers and sisters, We cannot, I can imagine this woman, like how hard she tried, like, hey, look, just get your stuff together. Accept yourself. Come on, move on, even if no one else does. But it wasn't until the Lord, I see you, I know you, and I love you, that she was able to accept herself. And then from that then, could actually go back to the people that you would think she would resent and have a grudge against and want nothing to do. But she wants them to know the same life that she has experienced. For us, brothers and sisters, hopefully there are people in our life that are telling us through how they live and how we're in relationship with them in some form, in some way, I see you, I know you, and I love you, it is good, it is good that you are here. No one can do that perfectly for us. Only the Lord, only the Lord. And so the invitation, the invitation I want to invite you again, again as I read this passage, read that section of the catechism, as we turn to the Lord in prayer to actually not be defensive in prayer. 
how often we go to prayer like, hey, Lord, um, let me tell you about the cool things I did. Yeah, yeah, let me tell you about the cool things I did. And I'm going to just like avoid the, the not cool things and the sins and any of those things. And the Lord's just like, hey, like, I already know. But if we're posturing and maneuvering in prayer, we won't experience letting the Lord tell us, even in our mess, I see you, and it's good that you are here. I see you, and it is good that you are here. The the second reading today tells us that God proves his love for us that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not after we stopped sinning, not after we fixed our life, while we were sinners. And then as we're, as we're growing, and this is a growth, we get people to walk with us in the midst of like being open to the Lord and, and praying with scripture and letting the Lord like, like see us and know us and love us, like to, to accept it, because he already does. We have to perceive that he does. We just pray for that grace. If you're struggling with it, ask some folks to walk with you in the midst of it. And then secondly, let us all make a commitment and have a conviction in our hearts that we want to be people that other people feel around us that it is good that they exist. That we want to be people to grow in it. Are we going to be perfect at it? No. But that we want to be people that we communicate to others by how we live. It is, it is good that you are here. That they may just begin to take steps of knowing that truth and accepting that truth so then they, right, will have the capacity to see and to know and to love others. Only the Lord can ultimately do it at the depth of our own souls, but in human relationships, it is very important for us to engage there and let us, let us take steps both to maybe be aware that certain people are doing that in our life, that we're not aware of it, and to receive it to enter deeply into prayer there and then to seek to be that to others. So I'm gonna read this, this quote again. Our eye becomes acceptable to us only if it has first become acceptable to another. We can love ourselves only if we have first been loved by someone else. It is only when life has been accepted and is perceived as accepted that it becomes also acceptable. Man is that strange creature that needs not just physical birth, but also appreciation if he is to subsist. If an individual is to accept himself, someone must say to him, someone must say to her, it is good that you exist. It must say it not with words, but with that act of the entire being that we call love. Jesus is saying it to us tonight in the most holy Eucharist. Shows up body, blood, soul, and divinity in the most holy Eucharist. And what he is saying to us, it is good that you exist. And I have offered my life for you. This is my body given up for you. Thank you for listening. The ministry here at Christ the King is made possible through our generous donors and golden givers. 
If you would like to learn more or partner with Christ the King on LSU's campus, please visit ctklsu.org.